And we are back, the beer pros, back at it on another thirsty Thursday edition. Uh, happy National Beer Day to all of you that celebrate, and happy Air opening record. day to to everyone that celebrates that. Uh, it is the beer bros back in action, and with me as always is my partner in crime, Rob Young. Rob, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. It's a great day to record. I forgot it was National Beer Day. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a whole good... It's just a good day. It's just a good day to record. Uh, opening day, National Beer Day. Uh, someone on this podcast may or may not have had a few beverages this, this whole day. It's me. I've been the one doing it. Um... But we're going to have a fun show. We we originally were going to have Vince on the show Monday. He was feeling under the weather, so we, uh, we was the audible to, guess what? It's the book report. We're finally doing it. Uh, we have finished the book. We have the sheet in place. We are ready to talk about it. Uh, Rob, I'm very excited for this. Very excited for this. I have... Uh... Something we've been working our hard on, uh, just coming up with, you know, we got plenty of notes, plenty of insights on the book. It's it's barrel aged stout and selling out from Josh Knoll of the Chicago Tribune. It's uh, it hits home for us as well. Yes, uh, it, for those of you that don't know what it is about, uh, if you haven't heard from what Rob or I have said about it, it is the story of Goose Island and their rise to. To fame and kind of their their history of getting bought out by uh, Anheuser Busch, and it does a very good job of giving a full a full overview of just kind of the craft beer industry as a whole. Yeah, it does a great job of kind of telling you like where the craft beer industry was before Goose Island started. Yeah, I was like pretty much non-existent. And I mean, pretty much uh, tells you about the aftermath of the buyout as well. You know how it kind of started a train of events that for other craft breweries to be bought out. And but we'll get into that probably a little more in a, just a sec. Yes, uh, there's a lot to get into with this book. Uh, very good read. But before we get into all of that, Rob, you want to tell people where they can reach us on social media. Untapped if you haven't already. The Beer Bros is our username. Email us to beerbros at gmail.com. Listen to the past podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. Uh, Twitter at Beer Bros One. Instagram to Beer Bros Pod. Like and follow the Facebook page if you haven't already. And as always, check out those quarantine episodes and beer racket videos on YouTube. Yes, indeed. So, with this episode, we don't want to give you a full rev- a full recap of the book. That would uh, that would be about a three to ten hour podcast. No one wants to listen to that long of a podcast. And we also want you to go out and read the book. Josh Knoll has put in a yes. lot of work on this book, so we don't want to give you every detail there is. Uh, and I don't think we could give you every detail. It's it's a lot to remember. Uh, so we we strongly encourage you guys either find it on. Uh, Amazon Kindle, or if you want to go to your local bookstore, it should be available there. Uh, I think we'll 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 put a we'll put a link as to where you can find it uh, on you know online or wherever uh, when, yeah. when we post the episode. But but we want you to we want you to read the book. We we don't want to yeah, get you know we, we don't really do. we don't want to be a uh, uh, what's the spark notes. We don't want to be spark spark notes. Just, yeah, it's we're not cliff notes. But it, yeah. Cliff yeah. notes. That's what it is. <laughs> Uh, I I've literally recommended this book to like everyone who even has somewhat of like interest in craft beer because it's not only just a good book about craft beer, it's also an interesting book about business. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, like even people that really aren't into craft beer but you know understand business like business. You know I recommended this to our friend Pat. Uh, he loves talking about business. He's yeah. not that big of a beer guy. Uh, and he seemed intrigued by it. So, uh, uh, you know, it, and I think some, you know, me personally, I'm more of a fiction reader. Like I kind of like the story, but uh, Josh sure. does a very good job of. And I guess we're just kind of 
like just kind of slowly jumping into kind of our our reactions to the book. I think yeah. jo- I think Josh Noel does a great job of kind of building the narrative to like like it keeps you engaged. It kind you know even if you know kind of where I you know I didn't really know a lot of like the finer details of things. So uh, like even if you kind of know everything, he still builds up a very good narrative and gives you a lot of insight on kind of what went on behind the scenes and other exterior factors to things that I think really, really highlights and heightens the, the story. Makes that exciting. I mean, it does. you are really curious to see what happens next. It's, you know, a lot of these chapters are pretty short, so mm-hmm. it does make the, I think the book much easier and quicker to read yeah. because of it. Um, kind of reminds, I kind of going off of what you said, Joe, you, you know, you know what the ending is, you know, I, I kind of think about that with sports being like the movie Moneyball. Yeah. Like, you know, the Oakland A's are not winning the World Series. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> but the movie does a great job of making it exciting. And, you know, you believe in this team. You believe in Goose yes. Island as a company and you want them to succeed and keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've, like you said, like I have recommended this to a number of people. I actually have a, a, a list of people I have to give the book to to read it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're getting, we're, we'll get there once this episode comes live. But, um, yeah. So Rob and I kind of want to do more of a, a structured, not a full recap, but just kind of touch on some of the main stuff uh, and. Yeah. Kind of the journey that gets us there, but not in too much detail. Because again, we want you to read the book. Uh, yeah. Don't don't let trust us. Don't let us do the job for you. You won't you you won't get the story. <laughs> More of a tra- like a trailer. You know, we want yes. to give a trailer to the book, like pretty much in podcast form. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then after we do go over the book, we are also going to sample Matilda on the show today. Uh, that is our one beer that we're going to have. Uh, that is one that they do talk about in the book, and we figured uh, we've 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 hit on most of the main Goose Island beers. This was probably the last of the real big ones of the OG Goose Island. So yeah, we figured it's an we'd interesting do a story there. Uh, we won't get into that at all, but um, definitely highly recommend. Yes. Uh, uh, well, without further ado, Rob, I'll let you run point on this one. Uh, Let's let let let's kind of talk. You know, let's start with kind of how Goose Island came to be. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. I mean, John Hall was, uh, um, like I said, you know, it's a business. It, it's a lot about business. John started as a executive for like a corrugated box company, mm-hmm. and I guess he was on his way back from a trip. He, he was down to Fort Worth checking on one of their plants down there for the company, and was running into some rough weather, picked up a, a magazine on the back seat and flipped through it where he finds Hopland Brewing. Mm-hmm. And it was, at that time, it was California's first ever craft brewery. Uh, and now this this was back in 1986. And John was only about 44 years old. Now, if you read the book and look through the pictures, John looks like he's probably like 74 years old. <laughs> Sixteen-year-olds looked like they were in their thirties back then. That, that that's just how people like, looked back then. Um, same as for high school movies. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that is like the thing with John is something that you pick up early on. If you've listened to any of our episodes or done any just kind of research on uh, other you know other breweries, like John was never a craft beer. It, he he enjoyed craft beer. He enjoyed that really good beer he uh you know there's a part where he kind of it kind of details he would go to bars and he would search out the old style as opposed to the you know the bud lights or the keystone yeah. ones um just but, because it seemed kind of different like i, I feel right. like it was just more of like the um, it was the hipster like thing the hand design. It, yeah uh but you know he was never he was never this uh you know like uh like you think of like larry bell or you know, people will talk about later on for just Chicago breweries, people that worked in breweries before they started their own. Yeah. Uh, like John was not that kind of person. He was he was a businessman. He was not a he he was not a craft you know he was not a craft brewer. He was he was a businessman first. Right. He never brewed beer in his entire life. Right. And 
Um, he he did, however, travel overseas. I mean, the first his first like introduction into craft beers was basically just European beers, and I mean, it came to mind. Why don't we have these beers in the states as we do overseas? Mm-hmm. So that's really where the idea launched um, for him, and you know, he want he had the idea of bringing these beers over to the states and starting his own brewery. Yep, and that's a, that's another thing that we see a lot with a lot with uh, a lot of newer brewers. Uh, you think of like Dovetail or Metropolitan or uh, or one I talked about uh, last episode, Goldfinger. Like they are very European style heavy uh, inspired, and and yeah, it, you know it's it's again like it's uh, it was that notion of and you know they kind of talk about it in the book and it's things we've talked about where people from. Europe would come to the States and have a Miller Lite and be like, that's not beer. Like, that's, right. you know, but now you bring them over and they bring, they drink craft beer. They're like, that's beer we get from home now. Like, it's, and, yeah, it's just kind of cool to see, like, the, you know, while, while craft beer just definitely seems like more of an American thing, like, it is very heavily inspired from Europe still. From overseas. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other thing that he kind of thought about, you know, spending all the time at, at those pubs overseas, a lot of people are, uh, you know, in your face, very, very nice, not in your face, I suppose, but friendly, you yes. know, that's something, you know, that's kind of lost on big beer, big beer companies like Anheuser-Busch and Miller, you know, he wanted to introduce a brewery that had relationships with, with their customers. And yes. I, I think that was kind of big in how, that was key for craft beer for getting into the beer market. That's kind of what, besides these great tasting beers, you gotta have. Um, well, you gotta be genuine. You gotta be. You gotta gear towards your customers. Yeah, uh, genuine, and you know the other thing they they really do touch on is the story behind the beer. There, with craft beer, it's it's more than just the beer you're drinking. It's the story behind it, and you. You learn about the the process behind it or the ingredients that are in it. Uh, it gives you a greater appreciation for what you're drinking as opposed to a Miller Lite, right. where it's like this is just processed and like I, you know we enjoy you know Rob and I both enjoy a good Miller Lite every so often, but it's yeah you know, it, it's just it's just to get you get you drunk like it's not a <laughs> like you know and like I'll drink an antihero and be like this is just so I can savor what I'm drinking. Whereas a Miller Lite or a Bud Light or even an old style or, um, you know, and any other main light beer that you're going to drink, it's more of just like a, hey, I'm just drinking to, to drink. Like, I'm not, yeah. and, and, that, and that is a big thing they touch about in the book, too, is just the, the story behind craft beer. And that's the, always been the biggest thing for craft beer is the story behind the beer. Yeah. Um, so from there... You know, the next was finding a building. That's where they found Clybourne. And then they hired their head brewer, which this guy is, like, probably my favorite character. In the book. It's uh, Victor. I, I, Joe and I have gone back and forth trying to decide what his last name is pronounced. It's Esimovage or Ekimovage? Ekimovage. Ekimovage. I like that. Uh, the, v- right. the V-I-C-H is usually a Vich, so Vich, not... Um, yeah, I, I believe it's Ekimovich, so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, this guy he, is a character. <laughs> like, he would, I guess, like, when they first opened up, like, people would walk into the brewery and ask for a Miller Lite, and he would tell them to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's, I mean, yes. he, he was just that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. he, he was someone that really took craft beer seriously. He, he... Yeah. And the, and you know and this is really what Josh Noel does well is he, you know he sets up that early kind of tension and those little those little breadcrumbs that get you to kind of John Hall's thinking when it comes to Goose Island and how they sell like again like he was a businessman he didn't really think twice about oh like yeah we could sell like our our the light beers along with our beer like that's fine yes. Yes. Uh, whereas and Victor hated that. <laughs> yeah, Victor, or you know, if you, if you ask any other kind of craft brewer, they would they would lose their mind doing that. Right, and it wore on Victor. Uh, yes. Not just that, but also the <laughs> wife of 
you know, being a, being a brewer, uh, and I guess at a festival in 1991, Victor saw a Budweiser banner at one of Goose Island's, it was Goose Island's festival. It's not like it was just a beer festival. This was yeah. Goose's festival. He rage quitted. I guess he had tried to do it five other times or something before that, yeah. and John always <laughs> talked him back. But this time, he had someone to replace him, so he was kind of ready. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they found the last straw for Vic. Um, yeah, you, you kind of talked about how, like, brewers, they, especially back then, how stressful the job is. And it's still stressful today, but, you know, w- just with the, the technology we have now, it's a little bit a little bit easier and a little less time-consuming. But, uh, you know, they, they, Josh, Josh Noel kind of details the, the process of how things would go. And, you know, had brewers be working until 3 in the morning – and then yes. be, back, be back at 7 a.m. To, to make sure everything was good to go. So, you know, know, it, it's uh, the same. Because Greg had replaced him after that. So Greg uh, did an eight-week pro- program at Siebel, uh, yes. which is the Brewers Institute in downtown Chicago. Um, you know, he, he went with on this uh, Europe trip with his father to Belgium, England, Germany, learned all he could about brewing, and then obviously took over for Victor after Victor quit. Yes. But I remember there's a part where uh, Greg would was working as like the restaurant manager at the time. And then after that job was done for the day, he just started brewing. Right. It yes. would get to 3 a.m. in the morning and he'd be like, okay, I have to be back here at 7. I'm just going to sleep here. Yes. And I guess he did that for quite a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um... It's, a, it's a rough time. For those of you wondering who Greg Greg uh, Greg is, Greg Hall, that is the son yes. of John Hall. He is the um, he is the, he is the heir to the Goose Island throne, as one might think. As you're reading, uh, we'll yeah, see. it will we'll <laughs> see. Uh, you'll have to read to find out. Um, but but yeah, he you know if you're thinking of the early years of Goose Island, you know it was John and Victor, and then Greg came along, and he was. He was kind of that missing link for Goose Island. Yeah, I mean, he really became, like, the voice for craft beer in Chicago. Yes. I mean, just... He would be on uh, all the all the radio shows. He would be in the newspapers. He would always be singing the praises. Dinners for people. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, just became infatuated with it. He was Goose Island, mm-hmm. it seemed like, at one point. Yeah. And, so do you um, want to talk about that class of 88, though? Yeah, I was, I was just about to say, you know, so as Goose Island grew, like, they, you know, they grew in popularity, and Goose Island is a part of a very prestigious class of, of breweries that, that they call it the class of 88. That is the the kind of the pioneers of the craft beer industry. There, were cra- there was craft beer before, but these are the ones that really ushered in the new era, and yeah. those were... Goose Island, uh, we, we talked about a few of them recently, but uh, Great Lakes, who we had a, a couple weeks ago, uh, Rogue Ales, I don't remember where they're at, Deschutes, uh, I'm sure everyone's had a Deschutes beer, North Coast, and Brooklyn Brewing. Those were the, that was the class of 88 for, for breweries, that was the gold standard of new breweries coming into the into the stratosphere. Um if you are a, a sports fan, you could easily relate it to the 2011 NFL draft where uh, if you if you were to go through the first 11 picks, uh, some of those names would be Cam Newton, Von Miller, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, J.J. Watt, you know, like potential Hall of Famers. Yes. Like that, that is what the class of 88 is is like for craft brewing that is the that is just the the pinnacle of uh, of craft beer uh, they're the, uh, the the start of it so yeah absolutely that is a that is a very important year for craft beer and and those are all breweries that are going strong to this day and i believe goose island is still the only one that did sell out Brooklyn did too did Brooklyn sell out? Okay. Yeah, they're owned by AP as well. Okay. So you're not a long goose. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I mean, you can understand, like, why the craft beer boom happened just from those six breweries. Oh, absolutely. Alone. I mean, it was just absolutely nuts. 
Yep, I mean, if you if you go back and listen to our Great Lake show a couple weeks ago, I don't think anything ranked below a 3.4 for us. I mean, that's, right. just, that's just good beer. So, yeah, Goose Island, Brooklyn, Great Lakes, Deschutes, I mean, those are all very well-known brand, uh, you know, companies to me. Uh, the other, the other two, Rogales and North Coast, I'm not as familiar with, but four, yeah, to, I think four North to six. Coast is California, Rogue. I, I, I see their cans and bottles. I feel like in any liquor store I go, I just don't know where they are. Might have to do an episode on them. Uh, that's why we have Google, right, Rob? Yes. <laughs> uh, Oregon, so Pacific, okay. Pacific Northwest. Um. Yeah, uh, yeah, a very, a very great year for craft brewery. And again, like that really ushered in the the craft boom, as you would say. And uh, in the book, Josh does a really good job of kind of we're not, you know, we're not going to go into detail, but he does a very good job of highlighting kind of the rise of craft beer and how they did within the market, and and how kind of uh, Anheuser Busch combated that, and that and that. I think that's another really big part of the of the book is, uh, you know, Josh will go into detail about Goose Island and then we'll get a chapter kind of from Anheuser Busch's perspective and yeah, kind of flips back and forth. It's, it's really interesting. Right. Uh, it, if I were to re- if I were to uh, compare it to a book that I recently read, yeah, I'm going to brag about reading a book. Uh, and Tim and Brian will know what I'm talking about. Uh, Devil in the White City, where uh, that book is about both the uh, oh my God! Why am I? Uh, Daniel Burnham, who constru- who is the main architect on the Chicago World's Fair, and it would go between him and H H Well. Uh, yeah, H I think it's H H Wells, the the serial. Yeah, I think it's H-H-H-H-H. the serial killer. It's been a, it's been a hot minute since I read that book. It's been about a year, uh, <laughs> but like it's very similar to that, just with less death and sadness. Um, like, you know, you, you get the perspective from one side, and then you get, like, kind of a different perspective, and, well, you know, the stories link in this book, but in Devil in the White City, those stories really don't link, but either way, it's just an interesting thing where you kind of b- bounce back and forth between Goose and AB, and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, it talks about, like, AB, like, really, when they knew that they had to start making a push into craft beer they tried brewing their own stuff i know like under michelob they came out with i think it was like a spiced wheat and ended up changing to Scheinerbach. Yeah. i think that was the only successful one though uh blue moon otherwise well. what blue uh it was Scheinerbach, and then blue moon was the other the other oh. one that came out of well blue it? moon was uh or is that most that's that's most of course sorry yeah. yeah yeah you're right but um they grabbed a chapter, though, from Miller's handbook because Miller bought out, to combat with craft beer, they bought out lining Right. And I think that's kind of where they got the idea of, like, well, we can't do this ourselves, but we're fucking Anheuser-Busch. Like, we have all this money, and, <laughs> like, literally, we'll, we'll just buy you out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and kind of, like, how Anheuser-Busch and what they would become... Uh, with it will become a part of Imbev. Uh, yes. Josh gives Josh Nolan gives a very good kind of background on how that all came together as well, uh, in terms yeah. of just kind of you know the which I I really didn't know you know it, it you know you, if you guys have been listening like Rob and I ha- are newer to the craft scene we we kind of have this interesting perspective of. We came into the craft beer industry after Goose Island, like a lot of Goose Island and many others had already sold out to your ABs and your Molson cores. Yes. So, um, you know, we've always known Goose Island just as it has been since it was bought by AB. So, I I just thought it was very interesting to kind of learn a little bit more, and I, I'm not going to say that it really changed my full perception on Goose Island, maybe it changed some things, but like it, it just it gave me good insight on things. I feel for John Hall, you know, a little bit as as a business mm-hmm. uh perspective, just because, you know, you and I are in in the field of business. You know, we can, we understand how things work and we understand 
where I think his mindset was coming from on some things as well. Right. So I don't think I hold animosity towards towards him in the ring. No, and, and I can absolutely see people who were very devoted to Goose Island and knew you know knew Goose Island before the before the sale. Uh, I can understand where they're coming from, where they feel betrayed. Uh, like absolutely, uh, you know, I, I've always been someone who likes to support smaller businesses and you know try try to try to support those those local breweries and. And stuff like that. So you could certainly feel see that betrayal from some people of, oh man, like they, they did sell out to the enemy. Um, but I, I think it, the book does a very good job of never picking a side. Uh, yeah. like, like it's just a very neutral look at everything and kind of lets you come to your own conclusions on how you feel about it. Let's kind of tell you though... I would say the dark sides the, oh, of Anheuser Bush a little bit. Um, you know, kind of an interesting part that I just want to give a, like a little preview on when they talked about Anheuser Bush originally bought out just a minority stake in Goose Island mm-hmm. before buying out. And I guess they talked about August Bush the fourth, who is the great great grandson, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, how he actually had to come down to Chicago to help finalize the deal. And, but it talked about kind of how he had a very checkered past is how Josh Knoll phrases it. <laughs> it's, um, a very, it's a very nice, nice, a nice way of putting fucking it. fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like an absolute scumbag. This is about the most like stereotypical trust fund kid as you can get. Uh, with yeah. without going into detail of like some of the things he does, like it's just like any any movie or TV show depiction of just that spoiled rotten kid, yeah, like that that is who this guy is, and and He's that looking dude too, yeah. Uh, I mean that's kind of part of it. I think kind of helps him as well, besides his family's fortune. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, just to give one story, I would say, uh, apparently when he was 19, he killed a woman while drunk driving in his black Corvette. I mean, and he got away with it. Yeah. Yeah, you get to run a multi-billion dollar company after, so do with that information as you will. Um, I, guess, I guess as we're like kind of on the topic of the sale of Goose Island, um, I, I feel comfortable giving this, you know, just kind of giving this part of the story away of Goose Island came to a point uh, in 2010-2011 where they were having trouble keeping up with production. Yeah. Uh, you know, demand, demand was so high for Goose Island because it was so popular that... It became the 11th largest craft beer maker yeah. by 2011. Yeah. So... And they just, they did not have the equipment, they did not have the space to both make the the ones that were the, the beers that were selling the three one twos, the IPAs, the Honkers Ale. Yeah. And also experiment on new beers. Their Bourbon County or any of their new any of their new beers that they wanted to throw out there, they really weren't able to experiment on those things. They you know they, they just yeah. they had to focus on getting three one two and and all the others out there to the public as quick as possible. So that was really the big driving proponent of the sale was they needed they need someone who could back them who could help them produce and distribute quicker for their customers yeah and then and that is really where the sale comes from uh it it was not an easy decision uh like this wasn't you know this wasn't something that John Hall or Greg Hall or anyone any of the decision makers group goose Hall. Nobody wanted Right. Yeah. Just, it, yeah. It, it was from a business perspective. It just it needed to be done. They felt. Yeah. It was either that, or you either stunt your growth, or you go out of business. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it, it was a tough decision. But you know, Rob and I kind of touched on it. I think we both agree that you know, it, the, I don't think the craft industry would be where it is today if Goose Island did not sell out. I, I think. Yeah. I think. It was a uh, a necessary evil in terms of growing the industry and growing a brand that was very successful. Yeah, and I think uh, 
you know, one other thing I'm sure we'll we'll touch at towards towards the end. The other thing it did is it opened the way for other breweries to open in in, in the Chicago area. So it actually it helped the city as it really did. Like as a brewing community, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and if you want to learn more about kind of the aftermath of the sale, I think that's I think that's what we're Rob and I are going to give you. Would you agree, Rob? Here's um. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, we don't need to give too much. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to, you because know, that's kind of like the 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 first half of the book, the you know it it in very very broad detail. Uh, if you want to learn kind of the aftermath and what what came of you know what became of Goose Island and the craft beer industry and AB, uh, kind of what came after that, please please buy this book, read it, find it. Uh, it is a great book. If you're a craft beer fan, like Rob said, if you're a business fan, it's just a, it's a great read. Yeah. Uh, I guess one other thing I do want to touch on is it's kind of, they do, uh, Joe kind of mentioned it earlier, how AB became AB and Bev. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, um, it was three Brazilian uh, real estate bankers, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and that they actually, like, built up, it, I think it was, the name of the company was just InBev at the time, to buy Anheuser-Busch out, which is pretty crazy to think. I, I guess I didn't really think of it in that way when, before I read the book. I didn't think that's, right. that's how it came to be. Um, but that part is really interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about the guy, Lewis Edmond, who really took over for Goose Island, um, and basically told John, like, I'm in charge now. Yeah. Like, um, it's it just, it, it's interesting. I, I didn't think uh, they were bad guys in any way no. uh, for their business. Uh, AB. Yeah, they're business. It's, you know, it, it is their nature to kind of be calculating in how, in how they, how they do things. And, uh, you know, it, it, and I think Josh goes, goes at great lengths throughout the book of kind of, Highlighting some of the uh, short-sightedness of AB, of kind of how they didn't really read the market sometimes well. Uh, and, and, they tried to rush things. That was, that yeah, was, they, they tried to rush things, or they, you know, and they, it caused them to rub people the wrong way, or a product wasn't very good. So, yep. um, yeah, and, and again, that's all there in the book. Uh, I, don't want, I, I really don't want to give too much more away. I, I think it's... I think that's a really good kind of teaser for people who are interested in the book. Um, is there any kind of anything else before I kind of jump into some, before we jump into some kind of like specifics of the beers they talk about and some little fun activities we want to do? Oh, um, let me see. Just to kind of, I guess, give a little list that by 2015, I mean, the whole belief that AB wasn't going to stop after they got Goose Island. It's kind of interesting. They went to Blue Point Brewing, which was in the Northeast, Ten Barrel and Elysian in the Pacific Northwest, Golden Road, South California, Four Peaks, Breckenridge, Harbeck, uh, and then Devil's, Devil's Backbone, which I have never heard of. But uh, it was just kind of interesting. They were kind of pretty much crossed enough every big region in the United States. Yeah, they had little Plain. small craft satellites throughout. Right. Yeah. right, right. And it's kind of funny because they came out and said, you know, we didn't have a plan when it came to this. It was pretty clear they, that yeah. we always had a plan. Yeah. Like, there's, there's smart people in charge up there. <laughs> right, yeah, they they had <laughs> they had plans. Um, yeah. All right. So... Barrel Aged Out and Selling Out by Josh Knoll. Go out and buy this book. Uh, find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or your local bookstore or anywhere else. Wherever, wherever you read books, find this book. I, I If you're a beer fan, if you're a business fan, or you're just a fan of a good narrative, yeah. check this book out. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, you know, I figured it was going to be more just kind of heavy on the info, but it, uh, Josh Noll does a really good job of kind of 
pulling you in and building up that story and narrative. So, um, I think with that, I think this is a good jumping off point for this. So we've talked um, about. Do you oh, want to crack open Matilda and talk a little bit about that? We want to do Matilda first before we before we do anything else. Yeah, might as well. It's okay. It's not let like it, uh, you know, lose its coldness. <laughs> I I agree. I agree. Uh, so yes, so we're going to have Matilda on the show. Uh, Matilda is one of the beers that really kind of kickstarted Goose Island's prevalence in the craft beer industry. It was kind of Thanks, really, thanks. yeah, really one of the first big differences in the craft beer industry, uh, just in terms of style and smell and taste. And uh, I could actually tell you specifically where the creation of it is in the book. It's pages 104 through 107. If you're really looking for that specific story on Matilda, go to those pages. It will give you the whole backstory on it. Uh, long story short, they used, uh, Britannomyces. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? I believe, I believe it's like Britannomyces, but Britann. Um, Metanomyces. Brian, you know what to do. Correct us. Um, they used that as the main enzyme of the, or whatever you want to call it. Brian, correct me. Um. Big strain. Um. Yeah. And... It was known, actually, to, like, spoil beers, apparently. Right. And only one brewery in Belgium had figured out how to yield it. So, I mean, and this like was we one said, of, Greg was adventurous. He yeah. wanted to figure this out. Yeah, this was, this was, yeah, this was really kind of Greg's first foray into, uh, uh-oh, Rob froze, uh, foray into kind of the, the, just the greater craft beer wild Fermented beers. Rob, yeah. you have frozen. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, you were frozen too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just let's just go ahead and drink this. Uh, without further ado, Rob, there's only one way to find out the beer taste. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. You can absolutely taste that very farmhouse ale funky taste with this beer and that's very funky it's very because you almost want to place it like or when you first sniff it it smells like a half egg you know mm. you kind of get that banana clove like smell but when you drink it it's still got some like subtle sweetness it's but it's also yes. got that funky bite as well yeah, it do, it does still have that kind of clove backbone to it a little bit, but yeah, it is it is definitely subdued uh, to everything else. It's and it probably makes sense that I'm sure John Loeffler had a hand in making Matilda because it tastes a lot like off color beers that they put out. Yes, seven percent ABV. Um, they released this with their reserve series, um, which included. You know, Bourbon County Stout. Um. Yeah, it's part of the, uh, like, the fancy series. Bourbon County, and then there's Sophie. Yes. Um, Which was named after uh, Greg's daughter. Yes. Oh, my God. What's the other one? Um, Just had it in front of me. It's Matilda, Sophie, and... uh, Rob, you're in charge of looking that one up. Uh, Yeah, I'll get it. You riff for a bit. Um... But it, Matilda is a very good beer. It's a beer that I think is going to be a one and done, uh, just because of how funky it is. It tastes, it just has a very unique taste to it. I really enjoy it. I I I actually had this on tap two weeks ago when I was at uh, the Clybourne facility. Uh, it did taste a lot fresher. You got a lot more of the yeast and. Um, kind of clove notes that that I'm picking up now, but just a lot more fresh. Uh, it's it's a very good beer. I'm gonna get another sip real quick. Um, okay, so the other four were Imperial IPA, which packed eight pounds of hops per barrel. Apparently, uh, they had Demolition 1800, which I'm not sure what kind of beer that was. 
Pair Jocks, which was a Belgian double, and then Bourbon Cabbage Salad. So all are at least 8% ABV, which kind of strange. This one, uh, Matilda, 7% here. So I don't know if that was AB kind of um, changing things around. It could be. I don't know. It, it might just be also the style, too. Since it is a pale ale, I think it's going to be a little less on the ABV side as opposed to your stouts or your IPAs. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really I really enjoy this beer. Um, yeah. I think if you were looking for a food pairing, I think it would be very tough. I think the flavor is... Charcuterie board. Yeah, this is probably a charcuterie board if you want to do a... Pair this with cheese. A pre- or, or, like, a soft pretzel. Uh, yeah. Like... like Something that's not going to have a lot of flavor to it just because this is a very uh, taste and flavor heavy beer. Very good. I was kind of surprised that there was no chapter in the book about Anheuser-Busch like fucking up this beer. Yeah, I think there was enough dunking on AB to to (laughs) go around in a uh, 345 page book. So um, you can't get to it all. (laughs) <laughs> uh oh shit Rob froze again alright well folks let's let's riff for a little bit until we get Rob back um, so just some things Rob and I are going to do here next is we have found the five most important I don't want to say characters because they're real people but five most important people in the book uh, that is John Hall Greg Hall Victor Ekamount Ekonomovich, whatever the hell you say it, Louise Edmund, and August Bush IV. Uh, we're going to cast them as if they were going to make a movie. So once we figure out our technical issues and get Rob back here, we will uh, we will go ahead and do that. So let me, we'll get back, you'll hear a quick tone, and then we'll be back. Okay, we are back. We have figured out our technical issues. Uh before we get into our little activity of casting the main five players in bourbon uh, barrel aged out and selling out, we want to talk a little uh, talk a little bit about the most revolutionary. Uh, I don't want to say invention, but yeah, they didn't invent it. But... <laughs> revolutionary style of beer that Goose Island cre- not created, but you know they they popularized and it was really because of greg hall uh rob this is your expertise bourbon county stout and the i mean they more like revolutionized it apparently two guys that uh stopped by the brewery one day and like offered their beer to to greg to try out and it was being aged in a bourbon barrel it just did not taste right apparently but greg really caught the idea it was like i want to do that myself so he was hosting a beer dinner, like we kind of mentioned earlier. Greg was starting to do beer dinners and really becoming like the face of craft beer in Chicago. Uh, he went to one in South Bend, Indiana, where he met uh, Booker Noe, who is the master distiller for Jim Bean. And kind of sweet-talked his way into letting Booker have six of his barrels. So uh, I guess a couple months later, barrels show up on the doorstep. Uh, Greg took this massive, like, boozy imperial stout that he had been working on, plugged it into those barrels for about 100 days, and out came Bourbon County stouts. Um, Apparently, I guess the the original imperial stout was so stinky, it smelled like burnt tires when it originally (laughs) uh, was brewed that Greg, like, lived about five miles from breweries uh at the time stepped outside and literally could smell it from five miles away (laughs) so it was it was worrisome but good thing it turned out okay yeah everything turned out okay (laughs) yeah i mean if if you're familiar with the craft beer industry you know that barrel aged beer is is the craze you know i don't know any like kind of larger craft brewery that isn't doing that now uh and and especially bourbon county stout that is the the creme de la creme uh prop day if you aren't familiar with that that is a it it happens on black friday it is uh it is when bourbon county stout goes on sale uh it goes to uh bit your your 
your Benny's, any bottle shop, but they also have uh, a lot prop, of liquor stores. A lot of liquor stores, but they also have Prop Day, which you go to Goose Island. Uh, you, you, it's a raffle. You you put your name in, and they select. I think it's I think it's a hundred people, and yeah, they I think get. So. And they get to, those 100 people get, like, the first crack at all Bourbon County stuff. Uh, our CRA Brian, our, uh, what, did, what did we, our location scout Tim, I think we, I think we said location scout. Oh, what he Tim. is now? Okay. Location <laughs> scout, Chicago historian Tim Ortman. Both of them have, have participated in Prop Day. I have had to submit, submit uh, for them. I've I've had to put my name in there so they could get stuff. Um, they they've done it. It's it's a huge thing. It's um, so something they talk about in in the book is how at Benny's like the line will go like through the parking lot because of how popular. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe not now as much today, just because Bourbon County is a little bit more accessible these days at some places. But uh, I mean, even so much as. Five years ago, it was, it was like getting tickets to a, to 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 Spider Man No Way Home. Like you, you had to wait, you had to wait in line, and hope to God you got it. Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty insane. <laughs> it is. Um, I don't, I I can't have appreciation for it, but I respect, I respect the the beer. It has, it has made the craft beer industry what it is today. It, it has my respect there. I'm the little the little kid tipping the the Derek Jeter respect to hat. There we go. <laughs> hey, you're starting to like barley wines and uh Yeah. Well it's not barley, that, so uh four eight barrels barrels. Uh, it was the it was the gin. I like yeah, gin. The gin. Gin's delicious. Yeah. Um There we go. Working our way up. We're good. Yeah, we're never gonna like bourbon. Sorry, Rob. Um <laughs> All right. Ready to cast this book? Let Let's cast. Yeah. So let let Let's say, uh, uh, who Who do we want to pick this up? Let's go Paramount. Do we want Paramount to pick this up? Let's go Paramount. Oh. Uh, who Who What What studio I mean, do we want to cover? Blumhouse. Ideally, I want like a streaming, like either Amazon Prime or, or Paramount, Netflix or uh, Paramount Plus. Rob. Paramount Plus. I would love a theatrical release release for this movie. Oh. I'm a big theater guy. What about uh, HBO? No, it can't be HBO. W, WB. Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers. Yeah, All right. yeah, let's do Warner Brothers. So let's say Warner Brothers, they read this book because they listen to this podcast. <laughs> and they, they want to make a movie out of this. Rob and I are going to, we both have, uh, like I said, the five, the five kind of key players in this book. John Hall, Greg Hall, uh, Victor Edovich. Ed- Louise Edmond and August uh, Bush or Gold August Gold August Bush Bush I don't yeah, know why like I thought Bush-like. I don't know why I thought August Gold uh, August Bush the fourth There are other many other players in this book, but we're gonna we're gonna focus on these five. Uh, we 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 have casted them. I don't yes. I don't think there's gonna be any overlap. Uh, I think so either. Do we do we want to start with John Hall? Yeah, let's start go with John Hall. Start with the main man um, himself, Rob. The floor is yours. So I had a couple thoughts on this one. I think if if we were filming this back when Goose Island opened, I would pick John Boyd just because he kind of looks like him. <laughs> uh, maybe, <laughs> but I guess if I'm going today, like the thing we kind of mentioned earlier on the show, John Hall is supposed to be 44 when he opens Goose Island, um, or probably 46 actually. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, he looks like he's 66. So you kind of got to pick someone that's uh, a little bit older, but, you know, maybe could be around that age. And I was, I I really thought Brian Cranston would be like the right pick here. I think he can play a good businessman. So I am also going the Breaking Bad universe on this one as well. I'm going Bob Odenkirk. I think Bob Odenkirk really fits well. He kind of looks like him. He has that kind of... I don't want to say nerdy, but just kind of like that, like every man kind of look to him. Yeah. Like he, like unassuming. Uh, I, I think he plays a really, you know, he does a really good job of being that kind of just laid back, but very aggressive person as well. 
Uh, if you yeah. watch Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, he is amazing. Got a voice and, that carries too. Yes, he does, and I, and I think I think he really works well as John Hall. I think he works. You could you don't have to do much makeup. You could just be like, yeah, he's forty four, or you like, yeah, he's seventy, and you'll be like, yep, yeah. works for me. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm going. I'm going Bob Odenkirk for John Hall. Rob, who have you casted for the son, Greg Hall? Greg Hall. All right, so Greg Hall is about 22 years old when the brewery first opens. He's in his last year of college, apparently, um, while he's Victor's assistant. I am thinking someone in their 20s. I don't know if people will agree with this, but I think he kind of looks like Greg. Uh, It's uh, Josh Hutcherson. I think he's someone that he would look uh, he would look good as a fat guy too. You know, Greg does games with like a lot of people in the brewery industry. We're not we're not gonna not fat shaming. We're not gonna we're not gonna body shame people here, Rob. <laughs> Beef uh, squad strong. I think I think you'd also age Josh Hutcherson up as well, and he's. You know, and it would still work as well. So, we're going Josh Hutcherson. All right. I am also going with a Josh for Greg Hall. Uh, if you watch The Walking Dead, you will be familiar with this actor. Uh, his name is Josh McDermott. He plays Eugene on The Walking Dead. I don't know what else he plays in. Uh, he, I think he can... i have his breakout then. Yes. <laughs> I think he, like, can kind of play that very... Smart, but kind of like. Oh, I see it. That's a great. That's a great casting. Thank you. Actually, thank you. That's a great job. <laughs> um, I think he could kind of play that very, very smart, but maybe like slightly socially awkward, like person. He, yeah, and and yeah, he kind of has like a little bit of a build to him that I think you don't really have to give him a a, a fat suit to put in. Yeah. He, he could just yeah. kind of keep him as is. Uh, he might be a little That's bit a better way to put it. He though. might be a little bit older uh, than Josh Hunt, like uh, older looking to start. But I, I think he just he he really does a very good job. Uh, again, if you watch The Walking Dead, you'll know what I'm talking about. He plays a very good, smart but kind of awkward guy, and I think that it really is what Greg is. Greg Hall is so Josh McDermott yeah. for Greg Hall. Like Cast that. it. <laughs> Cast it. Get Warner Brothers on the phone. Uh, Actually, I think it would be a Hulu movie. I, I, I can't see it. It, Warner Brothers it would probably it would probably be like a Tubi or a Shutter movie. I don't know. Lifetime. Lifetime. Hallmark. <laughs> the Beer Bros presents. Um. It's just gonna be Joe and I play in every character. <laughs> Fine. I will be Greg. I already look like him. Uh, actually, I could find. I could go to Kinslogger and and cast the Craig Hall doppelganger. Anyway, um, Rob, who are you casting for Victor Idemich? Idemich. Okay, so this one was tough. I I kept going back and forth because you kind of need someone who's a little bit of a badass. Because I thought Andrew Garfield originally, but Andrew Garfield's I feel like he's too nice. He's not really a badass. He plays a very good like frenetic person. But yeah, he probably doesn't play like the yeah. badass well. So I'm kind of thinking either James McAvoy or mm. Sebastian Stan, and I would I think I would go McAvoy over Sebastian Stan. Interesting. Thanks. McAvoy can, has played a lot of different characters, and he can he's played a psychopath. He's played you know he's been in the X Men movies. Um, I, he has a lot of range. I think you're gonna like who I picked. From what I picked up from Victor, uh, he's a very he's a person who's very set in his ways. Uh, he you know he will he will quit on the drop by the uh, with the drop of a hat if anything kind of doesn't go right he'll quit it and that reminds me a lot of Nick Miller from New Girl so I'm casting Jake Johnson in this role I think he would be perfect in this role. I could easily just picture in my mind the scene of him quitting. Forget the name of the movie, but he... Dr- movie, uh, he Drinking plays, Buddies. Yes, he plays a brewer, 
at, at Revolution at Revolution Brewing in Chicago. He's also from Chicago, so I, I that's a it's a great crack, uh, <laughs> casting choice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Rob, who are you casting as Louise Edmonds? So, uh, obviously, being Brazilian, I kind of wanted to, you know, I wanted to pick a Brazilian actor. I don't know many. Um, I do know Wagner Mora, who is, I watched in a Brazilian movie when I was at NIU. Uh, and I also, as many people know him as, he plays Pablo Escobar in Narcos. So, um, I think he plays like that businessman type of, uh, type of mentality really well. Um, and I think he's a perfect fit for Louise Edmond. I am going back to the AMC well, the Better Call Saul well. I'm going Tony Dalton for this one. Uh, if you've seen Better Call Saul or if you've seen Hawkeye, uh, you'll know him, you'll, you'll, you'll know who this is. Uh, Tony Dalton is a very good actor. He is, and I think he plays a very good kind of, I don't know if smarmy is the right word to describe Louise Edmond, but like, just kind of that like businessman who, yeah. like he could kind of tell you the bad news with a smile on his face. Yeah. Uh, like, like that, that is the kind of guy I picture Louise Edmond as just kind of a little bit more calculating uh, you know, and, and, and I think Tony Dalton plays that it, it incredibly well in all of his roles. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Tony Dalton. Again, uh, Louis Edmond is the one who's uh, one of the Brazilian uh, investors. He takes over as CEO for Anheuser-Busch InBev at one point and runs Goose Island. Yes. Rob, who are we casting as the... Upstanding citizen, August Bush the fourth. Oh man, this one was kind of fun to think about. This this one I probably had the most fun with, like trying to figure out. Like I went back and forth between, like I I thought Bruce Greenwood, like way back in the day, like when he was a little younger, would have been good. I thought Leif Schreiber because Leif Schreiber is, oh I like that kind of kind of someone who doesn't really take shit from people, kind of like set in his own way, but. I was telling Joe before we started, I, I feel like John Hamm is perfect for this. And not just John Hamm, like, I wouldn't say Mad Men John Hamm. I'm thinking, like, John Hamm in his, like, few scenes in Bridesmaids. He's a total fucking asshole. He's, <laughs> he's, a, he's this rich asshole who just, he doesn't care what the people think of him. And I, I think, he, yeah, it, it, it's a perfect choice for August Bush. Uh, Rob, help me on this one. There is someone that's on my mind that I cannot think of the name, but I can like kind of picture their face. But I went, I, I went with this guy as a placeholder because I think it's also a great casting. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, I think he plays a very good, like cocky, smug kind of kind of asshole. Uh, if you if you've seen Spider Man Far From Home uh, as Mysterio, Quentin Beck, I think he like that is. Kind of who I think uh, August Bush is very much like. Like, he just has that very smug attitude about himself. Uh, and, like, I can absolutely see him commanding a room, not because of his of anything that he does, but just because of who he is and just his attitude. And uh, and, that, and that's... that's I, I think Jake Gyllenhaal just has that look. And he has... Jake Gyllenhaal kind of has a punchable face. Yeah. Um... Like he, like he has that little smirk, like that permanent smirk on his face. Great actor. I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. And if I ever saw him, I would not punch him in the face. And I would make sure he never heard this part. But he kind of has a punchable face. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's just, that's August Bush to a T. So, yes. so yeah. Uh, to, to, to go over mine again, Bob Odenkirk as John Hall. Josh McDermott as Greg Hall. Jake Johnson as Victor Edovich. Tony Dalton as Louise Edmond, Jake Gyllenhaal, August Bush the fourth. Nice. I think we have a good cast. I think we do too. I think I think if we present this to, um, what's the Quibi, the one that <laughs> the one that went out of business. I think if we present this to Quibi as a ten minute movie. I think we can do it. 
Blockbuster. Block, yeah, Blockbuster or Quibi. That's really where Robin Eye's eggs are in the basket there. Um, <laughs> it's, about, it's about on par for us. Um, Rob, anything else we want to talk about? I, I feel like we went... I feel like we gave a good enough detail on the book to get people interested. Yeah, I mean, there's another great chapter about, like, how 312 came to be. I mean, we don't really have to go into too much detail on that. Um, You know, obviously, I think they were just trying to hit, like, a new generation of drinkers. And, I mean, it is really the beer that got Joe and I into craft beer. So, it worked. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, like like we've said numerous times, it's it's a gateway beer. It's... Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fine craft beer. I think they should not try to make shandy versions of it, but that's a different conversation no. for a different day. Um, yeah, I, again, the name of the book, Barrel Aged Stout and Selling Out, uh, great book, really great yeah. book. Uh, again, if you're a craft beer fan, highly recommend, like Rob said, if you're a, if you're a fan of business, in general and just kind of that process highly recommend if you're looking for a good narrative highly recommend you should read this book josh knoll has done great work i am looking forward to his next book i know he's working on it currently um and i look forward to doing another episode on another josh knoll book real quick i think we should cover the list of breweries that like spawned off Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. so Goose Island uh, has you know, like we said, class of '88, very influential. Uh, Rob, go ahead and list those off. So, from Goose Island, you know, obviously being bought out, a lot of the former workers quit to start up their own breweries. So Joe mentioned them earlier. John Laffler, who was really the uh, key person to the Bourbon County. Uh, beers and the barrel aging, barrel aging as well. Uh, he went on to start off color. Then Josh Death, uh, he was one of their brewers. He went to go start Revolution, which who ended up actually pulling employees away in general from yes. Goose after they got bought out. <laughs> uh, side Project, I don't know who that was uh, started by, uh, but I do remember Josh Noel mentioning it. Um, after Greg Hall left, he started Virtue Cider, which Funny enough, later got bought by AB again. <laughs> you sold out twice. Uh, <laughs> uh, Five Rabbit uh, was started by John J. Hall, who no was relation. <laughs> the uh, 312 recipe inventor. Mm-hmm. So, real interesting. And then Penrose, uh, which was started by two sales guys from Goose Island, uh, Tim Corder and Eric Hubbs. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, Goose Island's reach upon the... Craft beer industry is far beyond just their beer. Uh, a lot of the people they employ- have employed have made great beers in Chicago. Yeah. Very um, interesting. Yes. Rob, anything else? I think that's it. Like you said, Joe, I we don't want to give away too much. We right. want to get you into this, but you know, this is more of a trailer, you know, for the book. You right. guys should definitely go out. Uh, buy it, give it a read. It's there's a lot of great stories that um, you know that we didn't touch on because we don't want to give too much away. I think we maybe touched on ten percent of the book. Yes, like there is there is so much detail and it, even just fun little tidbits about the industry that you I think you'll have fun reading about. Um. Rob, this is this might be the smartest podcast we've ever done. We're gonna have to really. We dump, actually read a book. Yeah, we might have to. We might have to like kind of. We don't want to like create expectation. We have to dumb it down on the next episode. Might have to do like a green eggs and ham book review or something. I don't know. <laughs> is there like? Is there a beer equivalent to it? I mean, if we're really dumbing it down, Bud Light, but. <laughs> Ouch. Um, I had a Bud Light today because they were out of Lagunitas when I went to go by. So. Oh, boy. I was forced to drink a Bud Light. It wasn't great. We got through it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Rob, anything else? Otherwise, uh, we'll, we'll save other beer news for our next episode. We, we're working through our schedule. We're going to have Vince on in two weeks, right? I believe that's what we settled on, the 18th. Yeah. 
Um, or, or no, sorry, the twenty. In two weeks, we'll have Vince on to do the sour show. Uh, the next week, we're still trying to figure out. We might have some. Uh, Rob might be traveling, so we might just. We'll figure it out. We'll see what happens. What happens. Uh, Rob, let's close this bad boy out. As always, we invite you to try these beers along with us. Please pick up the book. See if you can read if possible. Yes, please do so responsibly. Please do not drink and drive. Um, just don't be an idiot. And as and always, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> that didn't sound good. Here we go. Yeah, no. Thank <laughs> you.